Hello, and welcome candidates to this virtual candidate forum. I'm Eleanor Levin, member of the League of Women Voters of Johnson County, and I will be moderator for this forum. The League of Women Voters is a volunteer, nonpartisan organization that neither supports nor opposes any party or candidate. The League does take positions after considerable study of issues and acts to influence decision makers on those issues. We work not only to register voters, but also to provide them with information on issues and to assist their participation in government. Membership is open to anyone 16 years of age and older. Join us. We can use your time, your talent, and your financial resources. League members advocate and inform voters. Democracy works best when more people are involved. The views expressed in this forum are those of the candidates. All viable candidates have been invited to participate. The format for this evening is as follows. After candidates have been introduced, they will have two minutes for opening remarks. We will then present questions to them. Our schedule of questions comes from our polling of League members. Each candidate will have one minute to respond to each question. There will not be time for rebuttals. We are scheduled for one hour. Near the end of our scheduled time for this event, each candidate will have two minutes for closing remarks. Speaking order will be rotated throughout the evening. League member Susie Corbin-Weir is our timekeeper tonight, using cards to alert candidates when time is about up and when it is up. Tonight, we have four candidates running for the three Johnson County Board of Supervisors positions. Lisa Green-Douglas, Phil Hemingway, Roy San Porter, and Rod Sullivan. Let's begin with your two-minute opening statements, starting with Ms. Green-Douglas. Hi, my name is Lisa Green-Douglas, and I've lived in Johnson County since 1980. I came here to attend grad school at the University of Iowa and got my master's and PhD in Spanish. Um, and then I became a college professor at Cornell College. Uh, after a time there, I left and began a career as a um, private consultant providing job-specific uh, language training. Got to travel all over the country doing that. I've been involved in the local politics here and in community activities since about 1984. And that's when I first became interested in the uh, Board of Supervisors and what county governance was about. Um, so I've been on the board now for four years. And I think that I can finally say, I, I should probably be knocking on wood when I say this, but I think I can finally say that I've seen all of the aspects of county government now. It takes a while for that to happen because some things happen um, every two years. Um, I think that I'm good at my job and I enjoy it quite a bit. My focus has been on the provision of uh, more available and more affordable and more varied mental health um, care. And so with that, I'll close, but I'd like to thank everyone involved for putting this forum on. Thank you. Thank you. Next. Anyway. Thank you very much. And I want to thank uh, the league uh, for putting this on. Uh, I guess I'm the one who caused this to happen. Otherwise, it would have been a coronation instead of an actual election. Uh, but uh, I appreciate the opportunity to talk with the public uh, at this time. Um, I'm a lifelong resident of Johnson County. I was born on my family's uh, century farm uh, between Morris and Oasis. 
Uh, I farmed with my father and my brother, raising uh, crops and uh, raising livestock. Uh, I, I had a, a great opportunity to uh, manage uh, Roy Carver's cattle ranch in Belize, Central America. I spent uh, five years doing that. On returning uh, to uh, the United States in Johnson County, I uh, also worked for another other companies that uh, worked in the former uh, Soviet Union in Africa. So I've seen quite a bit of the world. Uh, when I was in Belize, I met my wife, Anita. Uh, we've been uh, married for going to be 28 years now. We have uh, one adult daughter, Monica. She's a chemical engineer and works at the Arconic plant in Davenport. She was educated at the University of Iowa and went through the Iowa City Schools. Uh, in 2015, I was elected to the uh, Iowa City uh, School Board, the ICCSD, for a four-year term. Uh, I was able to do uh, many things uh, during my board time uh, that I'm proud of. Uh, we were able to get uh, integrated pest management uh, policy, which got chemicals off of our grounds and out of our buildings. Uh, I was on the uh, uh, committee to get uh, ag education into our schools. It also helped get uh, Clear Creek Amana uh, 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 to have uh, ag in their schools as well. I was a fiscal watchdog during a period of time when there was a $192 million bond issue. And uh, I also uh, was uh, on the uh, playground committee, which uh, made an inclusive uh, playground policy. Uh, so all of our playgrounds are uh, uh, accessible to all students of, uh, of accessible uh, abilities. And uh, I've been a business owner in Johnson County since 97 and uh, have an ag background and wish to uh, bring uh, fiscal oversight and rural representation to the Board Thank of Supervisors. Thank you, Mr. Hemingway. Yeah. Next, Roy Sandporter. Hello, can you hear me? Okay. Okay. Picture this, a little black girl born and raised in the projects of Daniel Heights Project Saginaw, Michigan to Roy and Roberta White. My name is Roy Sam Porter and I am married to Anthony Porter and have two daughters, Antonia and Stacy Porter. I moved to rural Iowa in 1989 to work for IBP in Columbus Junction, Iowa. A few years later, I moved to Iowa City where I chose to make Johnson County my home because of all it had to offer. Before, before joining the Board of Supervisors, I served on the Iowa City Community Police Review Board and the steering committee of the Iowa City Coalition for Racial Justice. I have worked as a juvenile court liaison, Johnson County Disproportionate Minority Contact, and the Juvenile Justice Youth Development Policy Board. I have many years of experience with youth issues outside the justice system. I have been involved with many community-based organizations and helped found the Black Voices Project in which I served as the president. I have served on the Johnson County Board of Supervisors for the past 20, 21 months. You've heard all of this numerous times before. I not only have talked the talk, but I've walked the walk and represented all of Johnson County. Thank you. Next, we have Rod Sullivan. Thank you. Um, good evening and uh, thanks for this opportunity. Thank you for the league for uh, hosting this forum. My name is Rod Sullivan. I'm an incumbent member of the Board of Supervisors. Um, I grew up on a heritage farm, which is 150 years in the same family near Sutliff. Um, I went K through 12 in the Lisbon school system. I'm an alumnus of the University of Iowa. 
I've held several positions in the human services field, including six years with the Department of Human Services and six years as the Executive Director of the ARC of Johnson County. I'm married to Dr. Melissa Fath, who is a cancer researcher at the University of Iowa um, and also a volunteer pharmacist at Free Medical Clinic. We have three adult children, uh, Rachel, Jordan, and BJ. I have one grandchild, Zuri, and we have uh, also served as foster parents for another 50 plus children. Um, I'm a member of several community organizations, including uh, St. Andrew Presbyterian Church, the Iowa Foster Adoptive Parent Association, NAMI, the Center for Worker Justice, ACLU Hawkeye Chapter, AFT Local 716, and the Iowa City Federation of Labor. And I served four years previously as the chair of the Johnson County Democratic Party. So I'm looking forward to your questions. Thank you all. As we begin our questions, please recall that you have one minute to respond to each. Question one will begin with Phil Hemingway. Describe your strongest competencies for serving as supervisor and your highest priority for the Board of Supervisors. Uh, I, my competencies, I bring a strong uh, fiscal oversight. I have a proven track record of being a watchdog of how money is spent uh, when I was on the uh, school board. Um, I also uh, have my farm background, uh, I think would serve the board well, since there's a, uh, a problem with uh, rural residents trusting uh, the board of supervisors and their decisions uh, that way. Uh, I've actually raised livestock. I've shown livestock at the fair, at the Johnson County Fairgrounds. Um, I've worked as a farmer in this county. Um, I, I've worked in the skilled trades. Um, as far as uh, top priorities, uh, rural representation is huge. Uh, we also have to uh, make sure that uh, law enforcement and first responders are respected and uh, that the rule of law applies and that all voices in our county are represented, uh, sought and valued. Thank you. Roy Porter. Yes, um, as far as strong competencies, I would just like to talk about leadership. Um, my leadership here in Johnson County has proven very strong. Um, I've, 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 I've done the work. Um, that's one of my strong, strong points. Number two is teamwork. Working with the Johnson County Supervisors, uh, you have to um, come together collabor collaboratively to make sure that you're working together. We won't always agree on everything, but we have to make we have to come together and um, agree on things so that we can move forward here in Johnson County. So that's an, uh, another one of the things. Another thing will be. Um, uh, work ethics and professionalism. Um, I try to be as uh, professional as I can. I try to be on my best behavior. Sometimes um, my mouth can get me in trouble when I get upset, but it is who I am. Um, I speak my mind and um, I don't hold back on nothing. If I'm fighting for a cause, I'm fighting for that cause. Thank you. Rod Sullivan. Yeah, um, so I would say that some of the uh, qualities that I bring to the board uh, first would be experience. Um, you know, I've, I've got a long record on this board and I think I've accomplished some really, really good things. And I hope we'll get a chance to talk about some of those later. Um, I am a compassionate person. I'm a good listener. Um, I take the time to listen to all the different sides to every issue that we deal with. 
Um, in addition to that, I think um, the biggest thing that we have coming up would be probably the recovery from COVID. And recovery from COVID is going to be uh, on several different levels. There's the individual recovery that people need to make. Um, collectively, as a community, we're going to have to make some recoveries. And there are going to be uh, deep financial implications to this, uh, both on the household level and on the governmental level, for a few years to come. And so we, have, we will have plenty of work to do around that. Thank you all. Question two will go first to Roy Sanport. Sure. Do I get a chance to answer that? Oh, nice. <laughs> Should I go? I can't hear you. We can't. I can't hear you. I apologize. Okay, Lisa, I apologize. I prematurely checked my list. That's okay. And your highest priority for the Board of Supervisors. Um, sure. So I um, have good listening skills as someone who has studied language. Um, I, I kind of listen between the lines um, and then, then I'm good at synthesizing the information I've gotten and then uh, using that to come to an informed decision. Um, and uh, additionally, just having that background in studying languages and cultures, I, I can um, take that into account when I'm considering any issue. Um, I am a collaborative worker team player and uh, try to bridge gaps. Sometimes uh, they're a little harder to bridge than others, but at least I make the effort. Um, I, my highest priority has been and will continue to be for some time uh, mental health services, uh, finding ways to fund the um, increased responsibilities that the state is putting on us for the provision of mental health and disability services, um, which includes children's mental health now. Um, and I really hope to find a way to um, make that not on the shoulders of taxpayers, uh, property taxpayers, I would like to have some state buy-in. So we need to really work on our legislative lobbying for that. Thank you, Lisa. Our question two will begin with Royce Ann Porter. The COVID-19 pandemic, as was brought up in the first question, has created a feeling of uncertainty. What is your view of the future of local economy, home values, and local jobs with living wages? Oh, okay. Well, I'm glad to be asked that question. As far as um, the future, the future of COVID, um, we had been working on these type of things before COVID had hit uh, Johnson County. So minimum wage had already passed, and I'm one, um, I'm one to fight for the minimum wage when it comes to um, paying fifteen dollars an hour. I'm truly, truly above that. Uh, my efforts to ensure. Um, that our citizens with limited resources are supported economically and financially. Uh, we have so many people right now besides COVID getting them past the COVID that is struggling to pay their rent. They're struggling to pay their mortgages. They're struggling. Um, we have food insecurities, um, our food pantries and people are just, you know, these are the things that we have to work on in Johnson County have to continue to support those social services and um, prioritizing emergency um, Rental assistant, unemployment. We have people who don't even have jobs. So, you know, that's that's number one in just trying to recover after the COVID. So, you know, that's my take. Thank you. Rod Sullivan. 
the feeling of uncertainty around COVID-19 and the future of the local economy, home values, and local jobs with living wages. Well, I think Royce-Anne um, made a good point, and that is, um, you know, whenever you have a disaster like this, the people that are hardest hit are the folks with the least. And we've seen that in COVID as well. Um, unfortunately, um, this has a tendency to be a bigger problem for folks who have less. So we're going to have uh, the folks who are already struggling are going to struggle even more. Um, I do think that uh, the county's made some really good efforts toward addressing poverty, but it's such a huge issue and such a daunting thing. We really need more help from the state and the federal government than we've gotten. And uh, that's gonna, th that need is going to only increase. We're gonna need even more help from the state and federal governments. Um, actually right now, you know, the county budget, interestingly enough, is in pretty decent shape. Um, I do expect that over the next couple of years, we are going to have um, particularly some businesses that are not gonna be able to reopen. And we could for the first time in a long time have quite a few business vacancies. As those businesses sit empty, um, it is going to be hard uh, to fill them up and then it's gonna be hard to maintain the values on those. So I do think there's a possibility that we lose some, um, that we lose some um, uh, value. Oh, sorry, Susie, I didn't see you. Um, my fault. Sorry. Lisa Green Douglas. Um, well, Rod, Rod mentioned that the county budget is actually in pretty good shape given that um, we had emergency spending. Um, and that's due to a lot of things. First of all, we have a 30% reserve. Um, and secondly, uh, we had some really great people that were on top of um, submitting uh, reimbursement forms for all of all of the COVID related things. So FEMA has come through 100% on every reimbursement and our taxes, even um, property tax collection is on target. So as a county organization, we're okay. But Roy Sand mentioned that those hardest hit are those living in poverty who are already living in poverty. And the four issues that are spiraling through poverty always are hunger, um, affordable housing and, and enough affordable housing stock. Uh, child care options and transportation. So we have seen a lot of creative response from businesses and within our county government on how to respond to and keep people working. But we really need to remember that there are some people who are suffering so badly that they can't pay their light bill, they can't make rent and um, find ways to create a safety net so that they don't um, fall between the cracks because of this uh, pandemic. Thank you. Bill Hemingway, your response. Yes, uh, our entire community has been affected by the pandemic. Um, I, the uh, rural residents, uh, especially farmers, uh, have had uh, to deal with uh, the pandemic, uh, loss of markets, a drought, and a derecho. And uh, their, uh, their needs are going to be very high as well. Um, I'm not going to plow the same ground that, that everyone else has, and, and those concerns are, are very valid and, and, and a great need, but our rural residents are, are going to be needing some assistance and some help as well, and uh, we've got we've to be able to provide it. Businesses have, have had many challenges, and I agree that many businesses will not reopen, some will close, so that will definitely have a downturn in our local economy. And uh, we've got to do everything we can to encourage businesses of all size 
agriculture of all size, and uh, and also uh, promote uh, uh, skills and, and trades uh, for our uh, community and to improve the skill level, not just raise uh, the uh, minimum wage, but also raise the skill level and the training of our community so they can they can uh, get a better paying job uh, and, and lift you, themselves Green. that way. Question three connects in that we are likely to see an impact of the COVID-19 emergency and the summer's derecho, as mentioned, on budget at all levels of government. What would you recommend as a strategy for the county to be prepared for increased fiscal constraints? Rod, your response. Sure. Um, well, first of all, I would say that we're pretty well situated. We've done a really good job over the last few years of planning for a rainy day. And obviously 2020 has been that rainy day. Um, so, you know, we have a large reserve. Uh, we've got policies in place that if we need to spend any of that money, we know how we're going to replenish it. Um, most of our buildings are in very good shape. Our fleet is in very good shape. Um, our employees are, uh, you know, fairly generously compensated. And so I think that we're sitting in a pretty good position to weather the storm. Also, you know, historically, Johnson County has been pretty lucky in the, the university has been um, always pretty solid in terms of bringing people here and uh, business here and homeowners here. And so uh, I'm not worried. I think we're going to have to be smart, but I don't think we're going to have to do anything drastic. Thank you. Lisa Green-Douglas, your response. Um, well, I mentioned it and Ron mentioned it as well, that our, our budget situation is really um, actually quite stable. So we aren't hurting. Um, we're not going to have to make deep cuts. We will continue to be... Um, cautious as we have been, which is why we have been able to weather this along with those uh, FEMA reimbursements. But I think one thing that we really need to look at is that um, before COVID and the derecho and now and after, we still are a growing county. And as a growing county, we need to recognize that in order to serve the people and meet their needs, we need to uh, pay attention to proper and adequate staffing at the government level and uh, make sure that they are able then to provide those um, for those needs. And then of course, um, when we do that, uh, slowly step-by-step step, altogether, we will uh, weather this storm, no pun intended. Thank you. Our next response is Phil Hemingway. Yes, uh, I, I have a proven track record of being a fiscal watchdog and a watchdog for wasteful spending. And we don't, we don't only look for savings when it's tight. You look for savings when you're in the, when you're in the chips. And uh, as a business owner, uh, you have to be competitive on a daily basis, not just when you get behind. So uh, I've always been a watch of uh, uh, look uh, for savings of wasteful spending. And I think the county can benefit from having that as a board member. Uh, I was chairman of the finance committee for three years and audited the district's book as a volunteer every two weeks of, of uh, spend, uh, looked at every receipt 
uh, on uh, expenditures on a, on a two week basis, anywhere from a million to $20 million. And uh, I, uh, I feel that the county could benefit from that same type of fiscal oversight. Thank you. Final response from Roy Sand. Yes, um, just as the other two um, supervisors spoke out, um, I think we're looking pretty good um, as um, all department heads are um, turning in all, the, all their um, report outs to FEMA and FEMA are reimbursing us um, as the money is coming in. Right now, I think everybody's looking pretty good. Um, I do want to thank um, our director of social services, which is Lynette Jacoby, who um, literally um, participated in the economic recovery needs uh, focus group through NACO. Um, and she was able to help us out where during this whole pandemic, um, she knew where the funding was needed and where to put it. So just being able to take the funds that Johnson County had sitting there that was not being used, placed in those communities um, into the hands of the needs of the people in our community. I thought that was awesome. So I just say that I think Johnson County did a really great job in um, stepping up to the plate and um, spreading out all the um, needs, the necessary needs that needed to go out to those that was um, powered people in poverty and those that were in need. So I'm thankful for Johnson County and its monies. <laughs> Thank you. Question four will shift gears slightly. <laughs> What guidelines do you personally support to balance the needs of rural and urban populations in Johnson County? The first response is Lisa Green Douglas. Um, so it was mentioned that there, there's a, a lack of representation for rural Johnson County. And that is in fact um, a myth because Right now, anybody in the county has five supervisors to whom they can go to for their needs. So in um, addressing both the, you know, the balance, we have a comprehensive plan and um, we made a lot of strides in opening up pathways for local farmers um, and for ag tourism. Um, anybody has the opportunity to submit um, amendments to that. And um, so through the, the Unified Development Ordinance and our comprehensive plan, I think that there's a very good balance of the needs of both urban residents and rural residents. Um, not everybody gets 100% of their way, 100% of the time. So it is a give and take, and we've done just that. We are um, met with, with um, requests for change and we meet some of them and some of them we don't. Thank you. Our next response comes from Phil Hemingway. Yes, uh, yes, there is a there is a trust uh, deficit with the with the rural with rural residents and farmers and the board of supervisors and the board of supervisors themselves spoke about it in the River Junction meeting uh, when they were discussing uh, how they were going to handle that issue. Uh, so for uh, the board to think that the, the rural residents have, have a tremendous amount of trust with the present board, uh, I think they need to review their own tapes. Um, I feel the board would, would uh, benefit greatly from having a diverse group, including a farmer, someone who has worked on a farm, has raised livestock in this county, uh, and uh, understands agriculture and understands farmers. And uh, I, I, 
you know, I, I uh, uh, am used to working with a diverse group. Um, I worked with a diverse group on the uh, school board. And, uh, you know, I, I worked with the superintendent who wasn't entirely pleased that I got there. Uh, and I wasn't entirely pleased that he was there, but we were able to work uh, with him. And, and uh, eventually uh, we were able to uh, uh, let him go to another uh, community. And uh, we were able to make changes in our community as well. Thank you. Royce Ann Porter, your response. Absolutely. I'm not a farmer, <laughs> but um, I can tell you that um, as being on the Johnson County Board of Supervisors this past year, um, my 21 months of being on the board and, and hearing the comp plan and the UDO and, and listening to the people, I can tell you that I personally went to planning and zoning um, commission meetings because I needed to know what was going on. I went there so that I could find out what, what, what the people had to say, what their concerns was. I not only did that, I also went out to family farms. I had people who invited me out to farms. I went out to those farms. And for me, it's all about building relationships, personal relationships. I have personally gone out to um, the meetings, visiting families, and I've spoken to Farm Bureau in the ag community. I find that having these much um, uh, needed conversations, people really need to just listen and hear them out. They're taxpayers, they, that's what they told me. We're taxpayers too. So it's, it's all about um, being able to listen to all people, not just some, and you don't have to live on a farm to be um, to represent rural folks. I represent rural folks. Thank you. A final response from Rod Sullivan. Yeah, thanks. Uh, you know, I was uh, born and raised on a farm. It's been in the same family for 150 years. So, uh, you know, growing up rural is not a new thing to me. Um, I do agree that there is a bit of a trust deficit, but I think that uh, that goes both ways. I think this board has been completely transparent. I mean, everything is is televised everything we do there's minutes um you know i think i think we've worked hard there are 155 approximately 155,000 people in johnson county 130,000 of those people live in cities 25,000 live in the rural areas we spend a disproportionate amount of our uh of our time dealing with the rural issues and that's okay um i just think that um it's important to understand that uh, we're spending time on a lot of people's issues. I don't think anybody's getting a short shrift. I've got a meeting with the Farm Bureau uh, next week and I'm looking forward to it. I wanna continue those lines of communication. I think we'll do that. Thank you. Question five, which will go first to Phil Hemingway, asks how should the county help small farmers and those just beginning to farm? Yeah, well, as, as a school board member, uh, I was able to get ag education into the fifth largest school district uh, in the state uh, for the first time ever. Um, education is important. There have to be opportunities. There has to be a, uh, a clear roadmap on how to develop uh, a small a farm, a niche farm. Uh, we need to look at ways to help them market. We need to look at... Uh, uh, the potential for community slaughter facilities, uh, especially during this uh, COVID-19, uh, there was discussion by some in the community about getting mobile uh, slaughter facilities to help when uh, we had issues with slaughter plants. Uh, it's done uh, every deer hunter slaughters in the field. Or there's there's opportunities to do it. It's done in other areas. Uh, so so we need to do that. We need to be flexible. 
uh, and we need to uh, to listen and, and work with with all size of, of agriculture and recognize that in Iowa, uh, agriculture is key and that uh, we need to help and support it. And we need to be an ally, not an adversary. Thank you. Our next response from Roy Ann Porter. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, just um, going out talking to the farmers and they're telling us how their kids are taking over um, the farms because they're, uh, they're getting older. I just like to state that um, uh, they did emphasize that as they're um, some of the things that we require our small farmers to have, it makes it difficult because they don't have that uh, money piece um, or the longevity of taking over the family farm. So um, just thinking about um, small farms and having small farms, um, if the farmers are out there working at um, farmers market or whatever, we can shop at our local farmers markets. Um, we can volunteer at our farmers markets. We can eat seasonal foods and we can get to know our local farms. So that's, that's my take on just trying to help small farmers get started. Thank you. Next response from Rod Sullivan. Yeah, Phil, you'll be happy to know we've got a limited slaughter ordinance on the agenda a week from tomorrow. So um, <laughs> I, um, I, I gotta tell you this, there's no way to answer this question appropriately in 60 seconds. There's simply not. It gets very confusing, and that's part of the problem with this issue is that it can't be done quickly. A lot of it has to do with the fact that state law allows farms, uh, allows a farmer to build a house. In Johnson County, the issue we've had is not anything to do with small farming. It's that we're trying to stop the urban sprawl. And urban sprawl has been a huge problem in Johnson County. We're doing much better than we did, you know, 30 years ago but it's incredibly difficult to handle. And what we can't have is any person just calling themselves a farmer and then being able to build a house. And that has been an incredible battle that we're trying to figure out. Um, we're working and working and working and we've got a lot more small ag going now than we did five years ago. Um, and we still have work to do, but we can't just open the door because there are serious uh, bad consequences. Thank you. Our final response from Lisa Green Douglas. Um, okay, certainly, as Rod can't do it in 60 seconds, I agree 100%, but I'll talk fast. Um, first of all, one of the things that we've done to open the doors for small farmers is um, within the, is addressed within the comp plan, we've created a new um, ag district um, to allow for farms. That Lisa, I think we've lost your audio a little bit. Oh, sorry. Is that better? That is better. Yeah. Thank you. I think I was covering it. Um, so small farmers, it, the issue is around the, the ag exemption. And um, that, that's a, another entire issue. Um, but one of the things we've done is uh, we have supported local foods in a very big way. Uh, we have now uh, means for ag tourism and ag experiences that we've provided for. Um, and we also have a local foods hub. Um, so our small farmers are having that opportunity of bringing in more and more of their product for distribution and, and getting into institution level uh, provision of those foods so that they can, in fact, use up all of the crop that they uh, create. And our county poor farm is um, going to have an incub incubator farms for learning opportunities. And we have some um, 
land access programs out there for smaller farmers. So we've actually done quite a bit in just the last three years on um, helping out the local farmer. Um, and so check it out. I think there's a lot to be learned about what we're doing for them. Thank you all. Our next question pivots because childcare is an important part of our economic system and birth to five years is a critical period in a child's life. Home care providers are an essential part of the local child care system. Please comment on how you see the county supporting the care and education of young children. Our first response from Roy Sand Porter. Yep, that's been one of the topics that we've talked about quite a bit, child care. Um, there's been various groups that have met. Um, Lisa Green Douglas um, and Pat Hyden um, have um, appeared in those groups and they've had groups broken off into what they can do to um, help out with the um, child care in Johnson County. I was not a part of that, but I know that work is being done to help out with child, um, child care. I'm a part of Better Together and the people in Better Together as well have been working on child care and what it is that we can do to help the people who have to uh, return back to work with child care. Um, I know that the city of Iowa City put, a, uh, put something in place um, in the um, recreation centers for the people to take their, to be able to take their kids over to the rec center um, while they're working. So childcare is very important. And it's something that um, is one of our largest uh, topics right now. It is being um, talked about in um, work groups. Thank you. Rod Sullivan. Childcare is a huge issue. Um, this is another one that the, the county is not gonna solve. This has to be done at the federal level. Um, I was a huge fan of the uh, two cent tax that you heard Elizabeth Warren talking about. Uh, two cents and you can send, uh, you know, we, we, we talk about K through 12 as though those are magic numbers. Well, why not go, you know, a couple years ahead of K and a couple years beyond 12? There's nothing preventing us from doing that. There's plenty of money out there. It's just sitting in too few hands. So I think we just need to, at a federal level, step up and, and make that happen. You know, the counties, I think, tried as much as we can uh, to help um, on a micro level here. We've applied for some grants. We're trying to do some innovative things. But this just is not a problem that's going to get solved at the local level. It's simply not. Thank you. Our next response from Lisa Green-Douglas. Yes. So, Bryson mentioned that um, I'm on a committee called Child Care Solutions. And this arose out of our um, study on poverty in Johnson County. And there are several subcommittees. And some of the things they're looking at is um, providing kind of a mentorship and, and kind of a package, like how to become an in-home child care provider. And um, so that many more people can get into that. Many want to do that. Um, I'm on the subcommittee that deals with businesses and we're doing a couple different things there. One of them is that we are surveying um, businesses for them to find out what the needs of their employees are and then how to provide on-site childcare, um, kind of educating what is the the benefit both to them and to the employers, use it as a recruitment tool. We're also looking into some um, the possibility of county property that would have um, a child care on-site facility for um, open first for um, county employees and then you know overflow to the public but um, it is a multi-layered thing it has to be multi-layered we've got city we've got county um, but we do need the federal help state and federal help as well thank you 
Bill Hemingway, your response. Yes, uh, child care is a huge issue, and especially now with the pandemic, with uh, people uh, out of uh, out of work or having trouble with that, and the people that are working trying to find providers uh, that will uh, take their children. The schools have been uh, doing uh, learning at home. Uh, they're limited going back in, so there's there's uh, it's a it's a multifaceted thing. And I agree with those that say that you know we have to get many parties involved with it. Uh, there's there's opportunities, and and we see in other communities. Uh, where uh, unique solutions uh, can be used. And I think we just have to be open-minded and, and approach it and try and bring as many parties into the discussion as possible. Thank you. Our final question is a broad one. What is one issue that we have not addressed here that you would like to raise? Our first response goes to Rod Sullivan. Thanks. Uh, that's a really good question. I appreciate that question because it's really making me think. Um, I would say that probably the thing that that uh, um, is, if you're paying any attention to any kind of politics at all right now, <clears throat> you know that um, we're having some real serious um, problems around civility and the tribalism that seems to be taking hold in this country. And uh, there's a lot of hatred out there. There's a lot of us versus them. And I really think it's incumbent upon all of us to try to influence that and make it better. Um, <clears throat> you know, we've seen uh, a lot of divisiveness with the Black Lives Matter stuff. We've seen a lot of things with, uh, you know, proud boys coming to, to town and stuff. And I just think uh, local leaders need to step up and really make an impact in terms of trying to bring people together. I think I'm a good person to do that. I think, uh, uh, there's a lot of work ahead of us, though, because these are, are deep-seated challenges. They didn't come overnight, and they won't be ended overnight. Thank you, Mr. Sullivan. Lisa Green-Douglas, your response. Well, you know, it's hard to find something that we didn't touch upon in a small way, but I mentioned poverty and the four, four um, recurring issues that spiral through every facet of poverty, but one of those that we haven't touched on specifically is transportation. And... Um, you know, you run for county government and you think you're going to help solve transportation issues. Truly, um, any kind of change in, in our local public transportation has to come from the cities first. Once the cities have a plan for uh, a more regional transit type thing, we can then help with that. But it has to stem from where those routes are and such. Um, and then we have to have an overall um, uh regional taxing authority, perhaps like the airport or something. Um, but we're also in the third phase of a rail passenger rail study. And uh, we know what the cost is now up front. So now we have to just find ways to uh, look for grants and um, monies to get that started. That would be go a huge way, but we need to expand hours for transportation. Um, and that's not a county thing. Uh, we need to expand routes. Again, that's not a county thing, but we'll help in whatever ways we can. Thank you, Ms. Douglas. Bill Hemingway, your response. Yeah. Yes, thank you. Um, yeah, there's, there's a, lot of, uh, a lot of important issues and I'll, and I'll uh, risk uh, losing my street credibility and agreeing with Rod Sullivan uh, that uh, there's a, a, a tremendous amount of uh, uh, divisiveness in our uh, discussions uh, at times, 
And uh, I, I have a proven track record of working in a group of seven of where I was uh, really the only fiscal conservative of the group. And, uh, you know, but yet we were able to get things done. And uh, I agree, uh, too, that, you know, it's, it's, it's easy to be in a group of five of like-minded people and uh, have discussions and, and, it's, and it's all well and good. But uh, when there's uh, others that are left out of the discussion, uh, it, it, it creates issues. And uh, I've, I have a proven track record of, of working with others. Uh, I've worked all over the world. Uh, I live in a, uh, a multicultural uh, household and family, and uh, I uh, uh, feel that uh, the Board of Supervisors would uh, uh, benefit from having intellectual diversity uh, as well as uh, cosmetic diversity. Thank you, Mr. Hemingway. And Ms. Porter, your response. Absolutely, you talked about something that was not mentioned. Huh? I definitely would like to mention. Uh, I would like to mention Derecho. I would like to mention um, George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor, Eric Garner, Philandro Castile, Michael Brown, Trayvon Martin, and the list goes on. Um, I would just like to mention um, uh, Michael Williams of Grinnell's murder. I would like to talk about John Lewis. I would like to talk about uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And then it's me that's on the, on, on, on the election, on the ballot for re-election. Um, it's time for uh, us to talk about Black Lives Matter, social and racial justice, the Truth and uh, Reconciliation Committee, um, police reform. These are the things that we're going to start having to have these hard conversations. Um, it's time to sit down and have these dialogues. And that's what I'm looking forward as being on the Johnson County Board of Supervisors, um, sitting down, having these discussions and talking about it and seeing, um, changing our policies, because that's where it's all going to begin. And that's... Um, I'm glad you asked that question because that's something that you can't even turn on the TV. When we turn on our TVs, nobody in America turn on our TVs without hearing Black Lives Matter, social racial justice, and all the people who have been um, injured. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, murdered. You know, police brutality and the murders and all the results end up in acquittals. So these are just some of the things that we're going to have to talk about. That's police reform. I'm looking forward to it. When they say defund the police, I would like to see how not defund the police, but what is it that we can do to use certain monies to bring on more mental health? I wanna talk about mental health in the black community. I wanna talk about mental health for myself because it has driven, driven me crazy. That's what I want. Well, you didn't talk about mental health. Let's talk about mental health on these issues. Thank you, Ms. Porter. Yes. Thank you all. You will each now have two minutes to make a closing statement. We will begin with Lisa Green Douglas. Thank you. Uh, again, I want to thank the League of Women Voters for uh, putting this forum on and, and your creativeness and having these forums uh, in a way that we can all be safe. And thank you for the rest of you um, candidates. Um, I think uh, it's nice to hear other ideas. I would like to ask for your vote in my reelection. I think that one thing that needs to be understood is that you address a lot of issues, a wide scope of issues. Um, there's no way that one, uh, one person can come onto the board and know everything about all the issues. Yes. What you do is you come onto the board and you learn um, to a certain depth some of the, um, the issues and then you learn how to um, source 
your subject matter experts, how to listen to them, how to go for other opinions and then synthesize that, put it all together to make an informed decision. There's a huge learning curve and it can't be done uh, quickly. So I, I'm there. I'd like to continue on uh, doing the work for the people of Johnson County and using your tax dollars wisely. And um, if you reelect me, I will do that. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Green Douglas. Your response. Yeah, thank you. And I want to thank the league for uh, putting this on and, and uh, your help in, in that matter and reaching, reaching the community. Um, I uh, will, will uh, use a little bit of what Lisa was talking about. Uh, I'm not a playground expert. Uh, I am not an accessibilities expert. But when I was tasked as a board member to come up with a policy for uh, playgrounds that would be inclusive for all of our uh, students and all of our community members, uh, I was able to do so. Uh, I uh, use uh, data to make data-informed data, -driven, data -informed decision. And uh, we were able to make a first in the, in the uh, country uh, playground policy, uh, which uh, we have, have great hopes will, will uh, be an example for others to utilize and follow. Um, I uh, uh, was one of seven board members that had all of the same information. And when the Department of Justice ruled on our playgrounds, believe me, as a uh, school board member, there's no easier vote to cast than a vote to put in a playground at an elementary school. That's the easiest one. But I had to vote no uh, and many times because I knew they were not accessible and that's a civil rights issue. And uh, you know, it, I was there with, with uh, six other very intelligent, uh, well-meaning, well-concerned uh, well, uh, 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 people uh, but uh, I voted and my votes were, were consistent with the uh, United States Department of Justice. So I think I uh, have proven that uh, even though I'm a mechanic, I'm a blue collar guy, I work with my hands, my calluses are ha on my hands, not on my assets, and uh, that uh, uh, I can make uh, decisions that are beneficial to the community. And uh, I, I, uh, I look to represent all, uh, not just a few, and uh, I, I thank you for your consideration. And again, thank you for this opportunity to talk to the community. Thank you, Mr. Hemingway. Roy Sand Porter. <laughs> yes. Um, I'd just like to say Johnson County is an amazing county with so much potential. And while we've made many strides, much remains to be achieved. It's time for certain barriers to be broken that will open the door to radical change in our county. I'm committed to building a safe and healthy community for residents to not just survive, but thrive. As a Johnson County resident, I've said it many times that I am a community leader, a community advocate, a community, community activist, and a community volunteer. I understand the change we need in our neighborhoods. I have served on many executive boards and during that time, I found ways to improve our quality of life through partnerships, by breaking through barriers and by connecting our community. Yes. We should preserve, excuse me, we should preserve our historic past, but it's just as important for us to actively pursue new ideas to ensure a brighter future for us all. You should reelect me to continue to bring creative, innovative, pragmatic, and collaborative solutions we need that will make uh, our county an even greater, greater, an even greater place to work, play, live, and prosper. 
teamwork makes the dream work. Looking forward to working with my colleagues, Rod and Lisa. Thank you, Ms. Porter. And Rod Sullivan, your closing remarks. Yeah, thank you uh, once again to the League for hosting this forum. I mentioned that I have a record of which I'm very proud, and so I wanted to just run through that record a little bit. Um, when I talk about my record, I talk about leadership during the COVID-19 crisis, leadership during the 08 floods, raising the minimum wage, we're the first county in Iowa to do so, passing a human rights ordinance, the first county in Iowa to do so, passing a sensitive areas ordinance, the first county in Iowa to do so, uh, passing a conservation bond initiative, again, the first county in Iowa to do so, getting a theme here, community ID program, first county in Iowa to do so. Uh, we started the 1105 project with the gift of the old public health building, saved the self bridge after the 08 floods, um, put the first money into trails in Johnson County history, created the free tax help project, created the livable community for successful aging program, added outdoor warning sirens to rural parts of Johnson County, created the local foods policy council. So that's a, a long record of accomplishments of which I'm very proud. Uh, if reelected, my main goals continue the community recovery from COVID-19. I want to address Black Lives Matter issues. Uh, I want to start serving people at the Guidelink Center and renegotiate six union contracts to the benefit of all. Um, I am grateful for your past support. I thank you for your future consideration. I promise that I will never take this position for granted, and I would respectfully request your vote on or before Election Day. Thank you. Thank you to all the candidates. The recording of this forum will be available on the Facebook page of the League of Women Voters of Johnson County. In addition, rebroadcasts of this forum will be run on Iowa City Channel 4, Coral Vision, and North Liberty TV. Please see their respective websites for program schedules. We would like to remind you that the views expressed in this forum are those of the candidates and that sponsorship of this forum is not an endorsement of any candidate. Given the current COVID-19 emergency, we urge you to request an absentee ballot from the auditor's office if you have not already done so. Go to the Johnson County Auditor's website to find the request form. November 3rd is election day. Have a good evening. Mm -hmm.